Hello, everyone. Welcome back to an all-new episode of Soul Sugar Podcast. It's your host, Carrie Rad, and today's episode is going to be a fun one. I am so excited. I have Sarah here from The Fearless Fig. You guys know that I talked about gut health recently and that it's been of interest to me, of serious interest to me. I've been researching everything. I found Sarah on Instagram, and I have probably watched every single one of her highlights that she has on her Instagram. I watched her TED Talks. I'll have her explain it to you guys more about what she's all about, what she knows, and we're just going to be talking gut health today, and I'm so excited. We're going to be talking about poop. So welcome, Sarah, and um, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to dive into this topic. It's obviously my favorite thing to talk about, so uh, I hope that you've got some good juicy questions that we can dive into because yeah, poop is my jam. (laughs) I definitely do. And so those of you who are listening, just know that we will be talking about poop today. And if you aren't comfortable with candidly speaking about poop, then this episode is actually really great for you because it's good for us to talk about something that we all do as human beings every single day, probably, if you are going to the bathroom every single day like that. So I'm excited to kind of get into why it's important for us to look at our poop. Because one of the things that you say, Sarah, is that, and like, correct me if I don't say it word for word in the way that you say it, but that poop is the window to our health. Yes, 100%. So I always think about what we can learn from our body. And as a dietitian and a functional medicine practitioner, I'm always looking at, all right, well, what is the root cause? Where are our imbalances? Why don't we feel well? Why are we not feeling as energized in the morning as we usually do? Why is our stress level higher? Why is our skin breaking out? Why are so many things happening? And I always, always, always encourage people and go back to the poop. I always ask people, what does your poop look like? What's going on with your poop? Because it's an internal presentation of what's going on in your body. And we don't get a lot of that. We don't get a way to actually look inside of our bodies until there's an issue and we see it presenting externally. So this is one thing that we can kind of check in on every single day just to see like, okay, how how are things going and what's going on in my body? And there's so much that you can learn by looking at your poop. Yeah, it makes so much sense because it's the one thing that kind of comes out of us every single day that we can look at to really get a good idea of what's happening inside of us because the more and more time goes on, the more we learn about health and wellness, the more we understand how important gut health is in particular for so many different things, for mental clarity, for bloating, for constipation, for just our overall health. I'm interested in what your journey has been like like what got you here I know you've been a dietitian for 15 years right um oh god almost (laughs) I remember you saying that before so first off that's such a one thing that really drew me into you in particular is because you do have so much knowledge about food and how it affects our gut and the gut microbiome and I'm so excited for you to get into more of that information. First off, I want to know, yeah, how how did you get here and why? You know, like why is mm-hmm. this your calling? Well, I had terrible digestive issues growing up and that was really what catapulted me into this space because I was really frustrated with all of the information that I was getting. Even training as a dietitian, 
I was excited because I was like, oh, I get to understand the body and the physiology. And that was always really fascinating to me and how things are broken down and how we create energy and how our bodies extract nutrients. All really, really cool. And while I was going through school, I had this like curiosity. And then also in line with this digestive issues that I had, I was bloated. I had fluctuations in the consistency of my bowel movements and time of it. And so it was just all over the place. And I started to not feel so great. And I would, you know, learn about it in my dietitian courses and I wasn't getting answers and I would eliminate a food and I would try a diet. I've tried every single diet on the face of the earth. <laughs> One, because I wanted to try and fix my digestive issues. And two, because I think it's really interesting to experiment with different things and just understand really what my clients are going through when they make these modifications. So I'm always like experimenting on myself and things like that. But with the digestive issues, I was just coming up against a bunch of dead ends. You know, I would go to the regular doctor and they'd be like, here's a referral for a gastroenterologist. And I'd go to the gastroenterologist and they would be like, oh, well, you know, just eat white bread and white rice and that will help with bloating and gas. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me as a dietitian. Like, why can't anybody answer this question? And so I started exploring more of the functional medicine approach and just asking, why is it there in the first place? Not how do I fix it, but why is it happening? And then I stepped into more of what I call functional testing, which is looking at the gut microbiome in more detail than you would in a doctor's office. So a doctor's office, you're going to get parasites tested. You're going to get inflammatory markers looked at. And you're not going to get the whole entire, not entire, but a snapshot of your microbiome and 26 different types of bacteria. You're not going to get the enzyme function and are you breaking down fats and protein and what is your, um, I said that the enzymes, but yeast, candida, that's another one that comes up a lot. Parasites is, we test for, that'll test for conventionally, but we test for that. H. pylori, is there a bacteria that's causing stomach ulcers that are then creating a bloat. So there's so many ways to look at things. And that's what really got me fired up. I was like, wow, these are all important areas that we're not looking at when we go to a doctor. Because you go to the doctor and they're like, okay, three minutes in, what's wrong? Okay, try this medication or try, they'll print out a diet and be like, try this. And there's not really that deeper understanding of like, well, how is it all connected? And for me, you know, I was having skin issues. My skin was breaking out. And that's a huge piece of the gut microbiome. And my hormones were crazy. Like all of it's connected. So that's where I was just like, we're missing this bigger picture by not, you know, understanding the gut, asking why, and then extending outwards to the whole body as a system. It's true. Yeah, that's exactly why I got interested in gut health to begin with was because um of in my gut health podcast episode, I talked about how I was dealing with some like acid reflux issues and like a cough when I would eat. Um, and when I went in, it was essentially like, okay, well take this. And if it works, then you have this. Mm-hmm. And it was like, for me, it was, well, what about if I can take my health into my own hands and try to see if me making these changes can help me? Because I just feel like obviously there are natural, I don't know if natural is the right word, but there are ways that we can, instead of just taking a medication, first and foremost, there's ways that we can through food and through just like our routine and our movement, we can try to heal ourselves so that our bodies can like try to kind of balance things out 
on their own. And so I find what you do so fascinating because you really do, you're um, doing preventative care, right? So like you say, you're like, you're not looking for a disease. You're actually trying to like optimize well wellness, which I think is such a smart way to go about our health. One of my other questions for you is, is if somebody is dealing with, I guess, what type of symptoms are signs that you need to pay attention to your gut health more? Like, what would you recommend for somebody who's just kind of going on throughout their days and they're feeling like, is there anything in particular where you'd say, Ooh, have you looked at your gut health lately? Because that's going to be something that could really, and it's, it could be so many things, right? Yeah. I'm like everything. (laughs) Every time you have any sort of chronic or ongoing issue where you're like, I just don't feel right. Something is off. That's a really good time to look back at your gut because our health is primarily connected to our gut. That's where we have our microbiome. That's where we're processing nutrients. That's where we're creating neurotransmitters and hormones. That's where we have, I mean, our gut surface area is the most extensive we have in our body. So if there's inflammation there, then we're going to kind of dive into the autoimmune realm because now we have inflammation and things are getting into our bloodstream that shouldn't be there. So I, no matter what symptom somebody comes to me with, I'm always going to look at their gut. But some key things that I would say are really, really tied in um, are things like eczema, psoriasis, acne. These are things that are often treated topically that we don't go dive internally into. Um, Hormone imbalances, PCOS. I'm always looking at the gut because what's happening, anytime you have a hormone issue, it's downstream of a gut imbalance. So if you don't correct your gut health, it's going to be harder to fix and balance hormones. Because you know our food is impacting it. The way we make hormones are, are associated with the gut. So it's really critical. Thyroid issues are another one. Um, we have to fix the gut in order for all of the other pieces of our body to balance out. And you mentioned you know, this optimizing wellness is the space that I work in and getting the body back into balance versus waiting for a disease. And unfortunately, the way our healthcare system is set up is to monitor and diagnose disease. So when things are out of balance, you're not going to catch that by going to your doctor's office until it becomes categorically a disease. So that's where I like to work is like, okay, you know, let's say you're not feeling well, or I get a lot of clients that are like, something's off. My doctor says I'm normal, or they say it's all in my head. Let's connect back to the body. Let's start to look at it in a different way. Let's ask those questions. Because at the end of the day, our bodies are incredible incredibly resilient and they want to be in balance. Sometimes they just need a couple of tweaks, a couple of modifications to get them back into that space. They they talk about the gut microbiome a lot. And the more that I learn about gut health, the more I read about it and even just look at your Instagram, you talk about the gut microbiome frequently. And so anybody who's kind of getting into this world what, how can you break down the gut microbiome for us? Yeah. So when I refer to the gut microbiome, what I'm thinking about is really the bacteria that are present in the gut. I should say the bacteria, the fungi, um, even parasites to an extent are part of a healthy, they can be part of a healthy ecosystem. So we're looking at an ecosystem and we're looking at how it supports the health of the overall body. So sometimes it's almost like who's in control. Is it the bacteria that's in our body or is it us? 
because the bacteria have such a prevalent role in producing compounds that impact the way we feel, that impact our mood, that impact uh, to some extent, the way we think, I mean, they're, they're creating neurotransmitters, they're producing endotoxins, which are toxins that can, I see linked with anxiety and things like that. So the microbiome, when I'm referring to it, are these, um, these bacteria and these organisms that are interacting and having a huge impact on our health. So the way I look at it is, you know, are we at a place, if we're having these issues, do we have imbalances in that microbiome? Have we been stressed out for a long period of time, which can decrease the diversity of our microbiome and allow for more, I call them opportunistic bacteria, or, you know, when there's an opportunity for space for them to grow, they're going to grow. And these can be bacteria that are more pro-inflammatory or that are stealing nutrients from our food and not allowing us to absorb them. So, I'm always thinking about, all right, is there this imbalance or dysbiosis in the microbiome? Do we have maybe a yeast overgrowth? That's something I've seen people kind of talk about a little bit more these days, like a candida overgrowth. Is that there? Do we not have enough good bacteria to keep the yeast at an appropriate level? Because we all have yeast in our gut. It's just part of how it functions. And then also parasites. There's a lot of debate about parasites. Certain parasites can actually be symbiotic or they can be in that environment in a way that's beneficial. And we actually see that in kids. There's some studies with um, different types of parasites, blastocyst hominis, um, and there's another one that starts with a D that I'm totally blanking on. But these can be part of a balanced microbiome if that person isn't feeling unwell. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsor, Usual Wines. This is not the first time I've talked to you guys about Usual Wines. I've been raving about them nonstop. I love that each bottle is 6.3 ounces, which is a heavy pour or about a glass and a half of wine. If you know me, you know that I can't have an entire bottle of wine, not even on a week's time. I usually like one glass here and there and so usual wines is just perfect for me so if you're anything like me you will absolutely love their wines their wines are made from world-class american vital culture areas in california like napa sonoma santa barbara some of the best wines come out of these areas of california and they are also such a beautiful part of california they have minimal intervention so zero sugar and zero additives I absolutely love their rosé. They have a red blend, a rosé, a sparkling white wine called Brut. They also have a Brut rosé just for the summertime, but I do have to say that the rosé is my absolute favorite. Usual wines are also such a great gift to bring with you when you're meeting up with a friend because they're a smaller bottle of wine. You can just stick them in your purse, pull it out when you're seeing your friend and just say, here's a glass of wine on me later on today. Put it in your refrigerator, nice and chilled if you want and enjoy it. I brought a white wine for a friend of mine that I was meeting up with at the beach. She just graduated from Chinese medicine. So she just became an acupuncturist. And I was like, here is a white wine on me for later on tonight. When you get home, enjoy it. And she loved it. Best thing about usual wines is they do not have sugar in their wine. Did you know that in the US there are more than 60 additives allowed by law to be used in winemaking? Usual doesn't use any chemical or any sugar additives to enhance the flavors or stability of their wine. They are truly a clean wine brand. To check out Usual Wines, go to their website at www 
usualwinds.com and use my discount code, which is soulsugar, for $8 off of your first order and try your first glass on us. Go to their website at www.usualwinds.com and use my discount code soulsugar for $8 off of your first order and try your first glass on us. Thank you to Skillshare for sponsoring today's episode of Soul Sugar Podcast. You guys know that I am all about Skillshare. I think it is such a great way to learn new skills. It's an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. You can explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in your creativity. As human beings, I feel like it's so important for us to always be looking for new ways to explore our creativity and to learn new skills and Skillshare offers memberships with meaning, with so much more to explore, there are real projects to create, and you can find the support of other fellow creatives, which is huge. You can really find a community. I personally really enjoyed some of their gardening courses, which I highly recommend. As you guys know, I'm gardening pretty much every single day of my life now, so that's very useful for me. You can learn photography skills and videography skills and entrepreneurship skills, which are really useful. Skillshare is also incredibly affordable, especially especially when compared to pricey in-person classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a month. So you can start with two free months of premium membership and explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SoulSugar. So I got you guys two free months of premium membership to explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SoulSugar. I'm going to tell you guys one more time because it's such a good deal. You get two free months of premium membership to explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash soul sugar. Now let's get back to the conversation. There's so much to know. And I feel like if you are interested in gut health, you could just totally nerd out on absolutely every aspect of it. Um, (laughs) So I understand why you love talking about it and why you just have like a platform dedicated to it. And obviously more than a platform, you have a full blown, um, you know, program and and ways that you really help people. I find it so fascinating the way that you work with people. And I want to talk more about that as our conversation goes on. But, you know, just watching some of um, your uh, highlights showing that people, you know, you go in and really get a good idea of what's going on with your clients in terms of their blood and doing their stool samples and their food allergies. And it's so extensive. And we will get further into kind of how you um, work with clients um, in a little bit, but I want to know first a little bit more. I want to know, I want to talk to you about enzymes and I also want to talk to you about foods. So I know enzymes are huge in the gut health world and I actually don't know a lot about enzymes. What I have found out from you um I know. And I, I thought it was really cool how you had the, like you put enzymes in the oatmeal and kind of how it loosened mm-hmm. everything up. Um, and that was a really cool way that you broke it down. And so if you could give us a little bit of information about enzymes, because this is something that everybody can implement into their life. And why would somebody need to take enzymes, for instance? Yeah. So digestive enzymes are pretty popular in the supplemental world. And when we're dealing with digestive issues, it's usually a place that I will start. But essentially, our body makes enzymes naturally, and they're there to break down food. So when we eat something, we are ingesting the food, and then it needs to be broken down because we're chewing. Chewing is our first part of digestion, and there's actually enzymes in our saliva 
that start breaking down carbohydrates. So what our body wants to do is take these macronutrients, these carbohydrates, proteins, fats, and break them down into smaller pieces. They want to break it down into simple sugars so that it can be absorbed in our intestines. And that's what our intestines are for. <laughs> Essentially, there's little like finger-like um, just covering on the small intestines that absorb nutrients. But in order to absorb nutrients, we have to break them down. So that's the main role that enzymes play. And unfortunately, when we're really, really stressed out, and as we age, our enzyme production can go down. It can also be impacted by different medications. So it's definitely something when, when somebody comes to me and they're like, I'm so bloated, I don't know what's going on, I am in pain because of bloating, I see pieces of food in my poop, those are good indications that an enzyme might be beneficial. And then also when we do extensive testing, there is a marker called pancreatic elastase, which I always look at that allows me to kind of assess the enzyme capability of the body. And then we're able to say, all right, well, you might need this, you might need that. Um, another reason I see people need enzymes are um, if you've had your gallbladder removed, that's really, really important to take an enzyme that breaks down fat because your body is not making able to break that down as efficiently. So there's different types of enzymes. I say if you're just getting into it, if you're just getting started, a broad spectrum enzyme is the best place to start because that's going to focus on breaking down carbohydrates, breaking down proteins, and breaking down fats. And those are the things that we really want to think about when it comes to breaking down food because that's where we're getting all of our essential key nutrients. And you can take enzymes with your probiotics as well because I've been taking probiotic and I know that that's really recommended for gut health as well. And it's been really helpful for me. Um, and you can, can you take them together? Yeah, so they're two completely different, they have two completely different functionalities in the way that they work. They do similar, I guess they support things in a similar way, but enzymes are going to help with food breakdown um, and the probiotic is going to help support the diversity of your microbiome. And I do really want to, I, I think we could probably spend like two hours <laughs> talking about probiotics because I've done so much work in the probiotic world and there's just a lot of information and a lot of confusion. So not all probiotics are created equal. And I think sometimes with people with digestive issues, if you take just a random probiotic or a live strain probiotic, one that you have to refrigerate, then sometimes with, in some people, depending on what's going on, it can actually make symptoms worse. Because if you have that imbalance of bacteria, like I mentioned, that dysbiosis where those opportunistic bacteria are at higher levels than they should be, or they can even be in a different spot. So we want our bacteria, these fermenting bacteria, to, to be primarily in our large intestines, in our colon, but they can move depending on what's happening. And if it's moved up into your small intestines, then taking a probiotic is actually going to make you feel worse. So that's one caveat that I throw out there because, um, and, and this is just, you know, supplements in general, not every supplement is going to make everybody feel great. It's really understanding about what's best for you. So that's yeah. just, you know, when you're thinking about it, that's why I, I really stress the individual nature of looking at people's bodies. But That makes so much sense. Yeah. And if you're going to take a probiotic, my what I see be most effective for people is something um, that's soil-based. So that is really good and safe for people that have digestive issues and have reacted to something in the past. Oh, good to know. Does, that, does it say that on the on the packaging? Like, how do you find out? It might say it on the packaging. There's, 
I mean, I'm such a dork. I'm like, <laughs> there's only a couple strains that you can look for, like Bacillus mm-hmm. coagulans and Bacillus subtilis. Those are all yeah. <laughs> soil-based <laughs> probiotics, but it should say it on the package. Um, so yeah, typically they're ones that don't need to be refrigerated because soil-based are more resistant to environmental changes. So they don't need to be refrigerated, but there also be some that have live strain bacteria that don't need to be refrigerated as well because they put higher amounts to account for die-off. Again, something we can talk about, like probiotics are a whole yeah. a whole other world. But I would say if you've tried something, then um, look for soil-based. And there's a couple companies that have them. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I know. I, I'm like, I'm asking you questions and I'm thinking to myself, like, gosh, I bet she could just go into so much about it. Like things that you can't touch on an entire podcast because it's just, there's just so much to it. And that's exactly why you do what you do. So um, I want to talk a little bit about, you explained it so well in your TED Talks and I loved your TED Talks, how candid and just, it was just so good. And um, I want to talk about before we start getting into gut foods that you recommend, I want to talk about if you could give us just like a quick snapshot breakdown of like what you should be concerned about with your poop. For instance, you wake up in the morning, you go to the bathroom, you're after listening to this podcast, you're all inspired to, you know, (laughs) to look at your poop. You go there, you look, and what are you looking for? Yeah. So when you look at your poop, ideally what you want to see is you want to see it be well-formed. So you want to look for it kind of like in a log shape. It should be ideally brown. You don't want to see pieces of food in your poop. And really it should be sinking. So when there's things that are off that kind of the the normal poop, that's when I start to think about, okay, well, what's going on? Like I, I, I touched on with the enzymes. If there's pieces of food in your poop, like a lot of times people can identify rice or pieces of lettuce or like carrots. You shouldn't be able to see that in your poop. You might be able to see quinoa. That That's one that doesn't get broken down or corn or sesame seeds. Um, those are like, those are okay. But for the most part, common foods you shouldn't see in your poop. That could indicate there's an enzyme problem that maybe, you know, you're not breaking your food down as well. That could be linked to potentially why you're bloated or if you're high levels of stress. You know, these are all things that can be mirrored back in your poop. Um, if it's on the looser end, like I, I like to say like soft serve, then, you know, maybe there's some irritations or there's foods that you're eating that aren't agreeing with your your system that are causing inflammation or like food sensitivities, food allergies. That's something that I always think about. Again, dysbiosis, that imbalance of bacteria. Um, and the other end, if it's like rock hard and it's like little pebbles, that can also be another indication of an imbalance in bacteria. And then oftentimes with that, I see poor abilities to detoxify and remove toxins from your body. So there's a whole variety of different things, but those are kind of like just just things to keep in mind that you can say like, okay, let me go look at my poop and see how I'm doing. And I also have a whole guide on this because I want everybody, I want everybody to master <laughs> the ability to look in the toilet and say, okay, how am I doing? Because I think that is where our health starts. So I have a whole poop guide on my website that goes through different, you know, like essentially the Bristol stool chart, which shows you visually, here's all the different ranges of what your poop can look like. And it's cartoons. It's not real pictures of poop. So nobody can, you know, don't, don't worry. (laughs) 
And, um, but it just allows you to have that tool to say, okay, how do I start to analyze what's going on and what can I do about it? Cool. And if you guys want to check out that guide, I'm going to put a link to her website in the show notes. So that is awesome. That's just such a great resource. Cause you, you have like, uh, you can like see, you have like graphs, right. Where you can kind of like, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so helpful. And it's broken down into what it looks like, why it's there and how you can fix it. Love it. Love a poop graph. It's a poop chart. Yeah. I mean, love you it. know, love a good poop chart. <laughs> I love it. Um, when you're dealing with high fiber foods, foods, because that's what's recommended for gut health, right? So we want high, high fiber foods. What do you recommend in turn? What, what are your favorite? Obviously you love figs. Um, what- yeah, but I have to be careful with figs because if I eat too many figs, they make me feel like crap, <laughs> which is so funny to me. I'm like, of course. Of yeah, I saw many your food allergy testing. Yeah, I'm like, are you? Thanks, universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you have like a slight allergy to figs. You found out through your own um, yep. research. Mm-hmm. Yep, the universe doing mm-hmm. weird things. What can you say? Glorious. <laughs> um, what are your favorite high fiber foods that you really like having in your diet for your own gut health? Um, so I always think about color. I mean, that's a huge one. And variety, the more diverse your diet, the more diverse your gut. So I always have tons of different greens. That's really important for me. So whether it's kale, spinach, bok choy, um, chard, like I try and arugula, like increase these or cycle them through my diet because they are high fiber, but they're also not super challenging to break down. Kale can be. That's why I usually opt for baby kale. That's a little bit easier on digestion. But having some good nutrient-rich greens is really important for your microbiome, uh, for digestion overall. I think another one that I like is uh, flax. This is really good if you're tending towards constipation. Um, Two tablespoons of flax in a smoothie. I'm a huge smoothie junkie. I spent a lot of my um, beginning of my career working with a smoothie company. I worked for Nutribullet for a long time and developed their smoothie recipes and programs for them. So I'm like, I love smoothies and I've just spent a lot of time with them, but they're one of the easiest ways to consume a variety of produce and what I would say, you know, superfoods and it's easy and it's effective and it's fast and it just, it just shifts your entire um, gut health. So I'm big into smoothies. So greens, flaxseed. I always try and do some type of complex carbohydrate, whether that's sweet potato or um, brown rice, quinoa, um, things like that. So I, I go for things that are more like not so dense because sometimes what you have to be careful with with digestive imbalances or digestive health is you can't overdo it. And sometimes things that are high in fiber are a little bit harder for the body to break down. So as long as you are at a place where you're like, okay, cool, I'm like pooping, things feel better. I wouldn't say you have to focus on like jamming your entire diet with tons of fiber because it can get to a point where it's actually causing more harm, especially if you're not used to eating it. So if you're going from, you know, a a low vegetable diet and you're like, I'm going to make a change and I'm going to do it today. And then you switch into this, I'm going to eat greens at every meal and I'm going to snack on kale between my meals. You're probably going to feel bloated and gassy. 
So it is something like if you're not there yet, you want to slowly increase because fiber is tough to break down. Yeah, I remember like we have a vegetable gardener in our backyard and I've had to like balance out how much kale I was consuming because I would just not be able to go to the bathroom. I'd be like stuck because I just had so much fiber that it really made everything so solid. Yeah. And the tricky thing I will say, I I wish I had like, just eat these five things and you'll be good to go. I think the tricky thing with digestive health is that uh, you can be well, typically, I see so many people that the healthier they eat, the worse they feel. And this is because a lot of our health, our quote, healthy foods have a lot of something called um, fermentable carbohydrates. And those can create a lot of gas and bloating if we have this imbalance of bacteria. So that's where it can be tricky to kind of say like, all right, especially if you've had digestive issues for a long time. And you're like, I've tried this diet. I've tried this. I've tried all of these things and I just don't feel better. That's when it's like, okay, let's let's take a step back and really go into personalized testing because what we consider to be healthy is not necessarily what each person can tolerate. Yeah. It makes sense that, you know, because we're all so different in what we can consume. And that's why, like, even just going to the doctor and getting prescribed a medication and like saying, you know, I think it's just, it's really fascinating the way you do your work because you are so specific per person. Like you check on everything that they can and cannot have and what they should or shouldn't be doing. And it just makes sense to do wellness and health in that way. Since we're talking about gut foods. I do want to mention aloe just because this directly goes back to my last episode where I was talking about gut health and how aloe supplements were helping me. And you in on your Instagram, you talked about aloe and it made me feel so happy that I, with the research that I did, because aloe was really helpful for me, like right off the bat. Um, and, um, specifically for my acid reflex, um, it really like kind of helped mellow that out. And I'll act like, obviously aloe is not for everyone. And there's reasons why some people can't have aloe and whatnot like that. But I saw that you were really recommending aloe for digestive health. Mm -hmm. And I wanted you to kind of go into briefly, like what why you love aloe as something for gut health. Yeah. So aloe for me, I think about it in the terms of inflammation and it's great for acid reflux because it calms and soothes inflammation. So typically I would say 95 to 99% of the work that I'm doing is trying to identify why somebody has inflammation and inflammation is typically what kicks off the imbalance in our body. So when we think about, all right, where is this inflammation coming from? Nine times out of 10, it's the gut. How do we heal it? How do we soothe it? Well, aloe is super, super soothing. I mean, it's one of those things like you can see this externally when you have a sunburn, you put aloe on this raw inflamed skin and it helps to soothe it. And it does the same thing internally, which is why it's so powerful. And so I love incorporating aloe for, you know, acid reflux it's beautiful for, and then also just for inflammation. So when you're using aloe, it's important to say, okay, this is going to help soothe it. This is going to help like decrease it. But again, why is it there in the first place? Instead of just masking it, you want to make sure you're removing the things that are causing the issue to be there. So like in your case, acid reflux, getting out those foods that are irritating your, your gut, and then also utilizing aloe to soothe it and get it back into balance. Because if it's there, if it's inflamed, we have to heal it as well. So aloe is great for that. 
Um, I also really like licorice. Something called DGL is diglycerated or I can, I can never say any of these words, but DGL is the term. It's basically a, um, a different form of licorice that really helps soothe inflammation. And another one that I love is slippery elm. So you can take that in a tea, you can take that in a supplement, and those are super, super soothing for inflammation, either from acid reflux or just in the gut in general. Do you recommend for aloe, do you feel like getting aloe from the actual plant is better than a supplement? Or do you think that it's kind of like with to each their own, whatever works. Yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's, it's what's most realistic for you. Like if, if you're not able to get fresh aloe and harvest aloe, like a supplement's going to be just fine. It's really looking at what is the best way. Like I'd rather you get it into your body than be like, I can't find fresh aloe. Therefore I cannot do it. So I think there's always a range of what is most practical. Um, you can do some in the supplement section of supermarkets, there are liquid, there's liquid aloe, and it's actually something in my uh, fearless gut program where we go through, like I have four weeks of meal plans. Aloe is actually a cornerstone in that program. I have something called a, a digestive elixir that I have you start the day with, and it includes liquid aloe. And so if you can find it, typically it's pretty easy to find um, in the supermarket, but you can get a liquid version. It's not delicious. <laughs> it's pretty bitter. So um, that's just, you know, again, something to think about when it comes to your health, but like the supplements are fine. The liquid form is fine or the fresh one is great as well. Speaking of things that aren't that great to to digest, but good for gut health. I have a question for you, which is off the record because I didn't write it down, but Mm -hmm. I also am just remembering that I feel like I really want to ask you about this. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on apple cider vinegar in terms of gut health? Yeah. So I, I like it. Apple cider vinegar has acetate in it, which helps feed our microbiome. But with people with reflux, it's so interesting. I I see it go both ways. Some people with reflux have a very positive response to it and it really helps them. Some people have the exact opposite where it's like it exacerbates their acid reflux. So it's something I always tell people to try because it could, it could help or it could not help. (laughs) It's really like everyone's pretty split. And some people are like, no, it makes me feel like crap. And I'm like, okay, don't do it. But if you can tolerate it, it's great because it does give your gut bacteria some additional fuel and food. Yeah. It's like the actual, like the the stuff at the very bottom of your apple cider vinegar, like you're raw and unfiltered. That's like the good stuff, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing it a little bit. And so I haven't been known like I don't know for sure if like that's helping me. I know that the aloe has, but I'm going to, I'm going to play around a little bit more with that. But anyways, I want to get now into kind of what you offer in terms of your program. Cause I know you have a program and then also you have like a more extensive research where you're doing blood work and stool sampling and you're working with clients for six months at a time. And if you could kind of break that down, because I know that conversations like this can be super inspiring for people. I know for me, if I was listening to this, just because I love gut health, I would just be like, okay, what can I do to like start working towards, you know, optimizing my wellness. So yeah, go into that, that would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of put together two different things. One is for the person that is like, hell yeah, I want a textbook on exactly what is going on in my body. That's what I've created with Fearless Health University, which is a six-month program where we do six different functional tests. 
And it's so exciting because you're gathering all of this personalized data. So we're going to do food sensitivities. So we figure out exactly what you can eat and what is upregulating your immune system or causing inflammation. So that's really cool because now all of a sudden you get, all right, well, here's my specific list of foods that are good for me and foods that I need to avoid for a little while until my gut is healed. We also do stool testing, which, you know, if, if you haven't picked up on that already, I love it because that gives us the ability to look at your microbiome diversity, yeast overgrowth, inflammatory markers, enzyme abilities. We also look at organic acids, which helps me uh, also look at the gut. It's just another way to look at the gut but it also allows us to assess neurotransmitter function and it looks at antioxidants and mineral needs and detox capabilities. We look at hormones. Hormones impact our gut's ability to function properly. It also impacts our skin. So hormones are really big critical part of this. And um, I do functional blood work. So just kind of like a general panel that you would get at your doctor on on steroids. <laughs> so instead of like 10 markers, we're looking at 70 different markers and we're looking at mineral status. We're looking at inflammatory status. We're looking at your blood lipids, cholesterol, triglycerides, your immune function and uh, ability to detox. So all of that's in the blood work as well. And then the final one, um, just kind of this piece that I think ties it all together and is really good for those of us that are like, I want to understand my body fully. I have a genetic test that we do, and that allows us to say, okay, here's where you're genetically predispositioned, and then we look at your symptoms and say, based on what your genetics are set up to be, this is probably what's turned on genetically and happening. So we're looking, again, at detox. Detox is such a big part of this. Um, we're looking at mood and behavior, cardiovascular function. Um, the I think the one that my clients get most excited about is metabolism. So are you genetically okay with a higher fat diet or do you need more complex carbohydrates or do we need to limit that because there's this potential for diabetes so we go deep <laughs> that's that's the main takeaway with with that love it it's so cool because even you know when i went in for acid reflux she gave me a stool test to check for h pylori it came back negative but when i looked at the lab results i was looking at it just thinking like what is all of this? What does this all mean? Tell me more. And obviously in Western medicine and, you know, they're, they're, they want you in and out as quick as possible to, to be totally frank. And so, um, it's, it's just cool to have an option to work with somebody to really go into detail of what this all means. And that stool test probably didn't have all of the information that you, um, your testing gives, but it's still like, you know, for someone like me who has no idea what all of these words mean on a lab test, mm -hmm. I just it's just cool to be able to have somebody who can be like, that's what this is. That's how this affects that and all of that good stuff. It's so exciting. I mean, I do it because I love it, but I also work with people that are just as excited as I am to dive into it. Like my clients will be like, is my test ready yet? Is my test ready? And I'm like, not yet, not yet. It's coming. And then we'll get it and go through it. And we're both like nerding out and being like, oh, cool. Because once you start putting the pieces together, which is what we do in this program, it's really empowering and it takes away that idea that, you know, you've been feeling crazy or, you know, like something's been off and you just, you can't figure it out. And it just starts to put the pieces together where you're like, oh, that's why this is happening or that's why I feel this way. And it's, yeah. it's so refreshing because it's not, you know, it's not something, like you said, they don't have time 
in conventional medicine to do this. And I, I really want to emphasize that I think functional medicine and conventional medicine work really well together. So what I'll often do is if I see something where I'm like, oh, here's a pattern that I'm a little bit more concerned about. Let's go to a GI doctor and get a colonoscopy or an endoscopy and just make sure that this is ruled out before we go deeper into balancing out your body. So conventional and functional work really, really well together. It's just, you know, how do you find that balance? And typically it's starting functionally and then going into the conventional to rule things out and then coming back to balancing wellness. That makes sense. Will you tell us about your program that you offer as well? Like it's a shorter program. It's just a like kind of digestible. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, I would say this, um, the fearless gut course, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier when we were talking about aloe, but this is a really great place to start. If you're like, I'm not ready to even think about like testing my blood and pooping in a box. <laughs> if you're not there and you're like, I've just started understanding, you know, that my gut health is important and I want to start, you know, changing the way I eat and changing the way I think and just getting a deeper education. That's what this course is all about. So I took a lot of the educational moments that I have with my clients, like how do you balance your plate? What do what does stress physiologically do to your body? How do you build out a toolbox to be more, more resilient? What are your hormones doing in your body? How is that impacting your digestion? So I, I put all of this into a four-week course. And the course has meal plans for each week. So it really takes you through the steps that I work with my clients on in my private practice. And it just allows you to kind of step into it in a way that's a little bit less um, intense. <laughs> and I also include supplements in there, some of the general ones. So like we talked about enzymes. I have one of my favorite enzymes that I recommend. We talked about soil-based probiotics. I have an incredible soil-based probiotic in that program as well, just because I'm using the, the tools that can start to help you get to the place of healing and start connecting you to your body without getting super personalized, but really just here are the best practices that I've used in my practice when we're just taking that first step towards more improved digestive health. And I saw that the pricing on that program is going to go up on August 19th. Mm -hmm. it's like yeah, the 19th, it's, it's, go, it's 279 right now, and it's going up to $500 on the 19th. So if you're interested, I would 100% say get get involved. <laughs> Sign up for that now because the price is going to increase on the 19th. Okay, cool. Well, Sarah, you know your shit. <laughs> Thank you. Pun intended. I'm a nerd. But I just really appreciate you so much for coming on and just like spilling all of your knowledge on us. And if you, I truly encourage you guys to check out Sarah's Instagram. It's at fearlessfig, right? Can you tell them everywhere that they can find you? Yeah. So at fearlessfig is my Instagram. Fearlessfig.com is my website. And that's probably the most exciting places to find me. Yeah, <laughs> you can I'll find me walking around Los Angeles <laughs> and Pasadena. I really like, but yeah, for the most part on the internet at Fearless Big and uh, the website. And then that can link you out to other things. I spent so much time on your Instagram because you just give so much information over there and it's so useful. So if you guys are interested in gut health, I know a lot of you guys 
responded really well to the podcast episode where I was just kind of talking about what I was experiencing. So I know that a lot of you guys are interested. I highly encourage you to go check it out because it's just so interesting to just learn more. I'm totally becoming a gut health nerd. And um, it's just so cool to get the chance to talk to you about all of this. So I appreciate you so much for coming on and for chatting with us. And yeah, I it's my absolute pleasure and passion in life to talk about poop. <laughs> so anytime. And if you, she has a link in her bio on her Instagram to watch the TED Talks, which I highly recommend too, because it's just such a candid conversation about poop. And I just absolutely love it. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Soul Sugar Podcast. I hope that you all enjoyed it as much as I did. In the meantime, before our next episode, definitely come talk to us on Instagram and on the Facebook group. The Instagram is at Soul Sugar Co. The Facebook is a Soul Sugar Facebook group that is private. So you'll go onto Facebook, search Soul Sugar, find our group, invite yourself in and I can accept your invitation and you can come on into the conversation. It's just a safe place for us to talk about things whatever we really want to. So it's happening over there. And also next week, I am launching a newsletter, which is going to be so fun. I have been working on it behind the scenes for a bit and it's launching next week. So it's a weekly newsletter. If you go to my Instagram at Carrie Rad, there is a link in my bio. You can click to subscribe to the newsletter. I highly recommend you guys do that because it is just a weekly dose of gardening tips of self-care of words of the week we are just gonna have a lot of good stuff going on over there so I think you guys will love it it's just a little self-care corner and that's all I have for you guys today so thank you for listening and I will talk to you very very soon